We're beginning today a brand new series entitled Building Extravagant Givers. Building Extravagant Givers. And the purpose of this series is to help us to really get excited about giving. Can I see by a show of hands? I want you to be honest with yourself. Are you really, really, really excited about giving? Come on, let me just see your hands. Are, are you excited? Do you find yourself, or are you one of those, eh, eh, I struggle with it. How many know that God has called us to be givers? So I want us to understand that, as I said a moment ago, that we are blessed to be a blessing. Come on, say that with me. Say, I am blessed to be a blessing. Come on now, say it like it's 200,000 of you in here. I am blessed to be a blessing. You remember God told Abraham, Abraham, I want to bless you, but I'm not only going to bless you, I'm going to make you a blessing. How many know that God got some serious plans for all of us in here? And so why do I entitle this particular series extravagant? Well, the word, what is an extravagant giver? This is a person that lacks restraint in giving. It is beyond, everybody say beyond, beyond the norm. It is exceeding what is reasonable or what will be called appropriate. It is, for lack of better words, I like to say, it is that kind of absurd giving where we give with enthusiasm, where we go beyond because our trust and our hope is so deeply rooted in the Lord our God to provide for us. And by the way, he does provide. How many of you say that God just keeps on providing for you? Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise because he keeps on providing for each and every one of us. Now, the Bible teaches a very important concept that I think that sometimes it is missed because we live in a generation today that is heavily, uh, uh, you know, about themselves. We live in a selfishness that has always been a part of every generation. But I believe that it just, it, it seems like, at least in my lifetime, it has become worse and worse. I mean, think about it. Why else would somebody walk into a school, right, and gun down 17 people? Why would a, would a bunch of people be at a concert and somebody just want to just come up there and just kill 50-some people just for nothing. Now, I know there's a mental illness aspect, but how many know that some of this stuff is just being cultivated and rooted in the spirit of the enemy? And so God wants us to be givers. Now, in order to be an extravagant giver and a true giver in this, in, in, in this purest sense, then we got to understand something that, that it, is, it is about caring for people. Because when I'm a true extravagant giver, how many know that I care? You, you hear what I'm saying? How many know that God wants us to care? He wants us to truly care about people. And so when the Bible says that it's more blessed to give than receive, how many of you believe that scripture verse? That it really is more blessed to give? Because one of the things that I've seen is it just seems to me that that, uh, that people, even within evangelical circles, that we tend to think that it's more blessed to get than it is to give. 
And so you hear Christians saying things all, all the time, like, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine. And I've, how many know Christians? I mean, I've been known some Christians for years, and they've been saying the same thing for years. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine. And, and I think maybe God is saying, you already got yours. You need to think about giving to somebody else. Because this is, God, how many know that God wants to bless you? So God said, if God, watch this, and hear this. If God says it's more blessed to give, then to receive, how many know that we need to be knocking down the door to give? Oh, y'all. I asked y'all at the beginning, I said, how many want to be blessed? Everybody want to be blessed, right? The Bible said, how many want to more? How many, how many, how many of you want to be more blessed? <laughs> so the more blessing is in the giving. So if the more blessing is in the giving, we ought to be, man, we ought to be looking for opportunities to give, 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 because we know that's where the favor of God really is. Now, it is a blessing to receive, but the point of it is, it's more of a blessing to give. I believe part of what the enemy does is he deceives us. You know, the Bible talks about the, the devil is a thief. And I believe that one of the things he robs us of is the joy of giving. Man, I can tell you, I can say I've been a pastor for years and I, I've seen how people act when it comes to giving. I, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've witnessed it. And I know that Satan has hoodwinked a lot of people, a lot of God's people. And, 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 and so people are not excited. And, and I believe that the, there's a certain joy that comes when we just let go and, and, and give. There, there's something about a person that understands the spirit of God and, 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 and the blessedness in, in, in giving. And I believe that too many of us and too many of God's people have missed the boat. And, they, and they're not enjoying life as they should because they're too me focused. And we need to get off of that. And we need to think in a more broader sense about what God want to do with each and every one of us. And so um, I, I watched this show called The Undercover Boss. Anybody ever seen The Undercover Boss? All right, so let me give you a little bit of a backdrop. So The Undercover Boss is basically it's these CEOs of these companies. These are millionaires and billionaires. And, uh, and what they do is they put on these disguises, right? They act like they're somebody that's trying to get a job or they're trying to uh, apply for some reality show. And so what they do is they go behind the scenes, right, of their business because they, in a way, they kind of spy on their business to see how their folks are doing. Now, the employees there, they have no idea because the person is completely disguised. They don't know. As far as they know, this is the person trying to get on a reality show. This is the person just wanting to get a job. They have no clue that the person that they're talking to is the CEO of the company that they are working for. They don't even realize it. And so now what they do is so they spend time there and they, and they get to know these employees and they get to see what they do. And then at the end of it, uh, the undercover bosses reveal themselves. And oftentimes the people are just floored because they had no clue. Well, in this one particular instance, there's a video I want to show you where this lady who worked for Model, how many of you ever heard of Model's sports store? Uh, she, she works in Model, but this particular woman was homeless. And the undercover boss, Mr. Model, had come in there and he had disguised himself. And she had no idea that she was uh, working with her boss. And so I got a video I want to show you. So go ahead, take a look. Here you are, a department manager in apparel, teaching me and showing me every inch of the way. You were just amazing. I just hope that I'm doing good for you. <laughs> it was above and beyond anything I could have ever expected from an associate. With your talent level, 
and the way you care about the company. You're the kind of leaders that we want in our company. And that's why I'm promoting to assistant manager. Oh my goodness, I'm sorry, I can't believe this. I gave you a $14,000 raise. What? <laughs> you deserve it. Think about that homeless shelter where you go home every night since I left you. It kills me to see that you're still there. Because I want to check for you. Because I want you to move out of there immediately, like tonight. What? No! You cannot be serious! I'm serious. And so I have on me a check for $250,000. Oh my God. No, no, oh my, oh my goodness, no. Angel, are you okay? Oh my goodness. I have a financial advisor that I'm setting up with you, and taxes are taken out, so it's $250,000. And I don't want you to live in that homeless shelter ever again. Children that we're not going back to the shelter anymore. That we're going to have our own place. Oh my! God. They can run out back, play in their backyards. They can be kids. <laughs> now let me tell you something. Who was really more blessed in that particular episode? You see, he made that all possible. How many know that God has called us as the people of God to be undercover bosses? He called us to identify those places and those ways that we can give, that we can affect the lives of other people. This is, and, and, and this is really something that should be, it should be something that should be just norm for the, for the Christian, for the believer. But, but we see here that this man had an opportunity to bless someone who was homeless. And the impact was amazing, but I think the impact on him, if you've watched that video, that right at the end, you can see his face as she walked away. I'm telling you, he was more impacted. And so now you understand when I say to you that it's more blessed to give than receive, you understand what I'm talking about, right? You understand what it means. And did you see the blessedness in that? Boy, to be able. And so when God blesses you, instead of us thinking, man, I'm going to take more, I'm going to buy me more stuff. How come every now and then just say, Lord, how can I be a blessing to somebody else? And this is what I mean when I say the devil has robbed the church of this that belongs to us. This is our inheritance. And we're running around talking about, I'm going to get, 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 get. And, and we don't even understand the Bible is more blessed to do that and impact somebody's life, if they can do it for a perishable crown, why can't we do it for one that's eternal? I'll read a couple of verses to you. Jesus, God is a giver. Now, I'm going to talk about this for a brief moment, then we're going to jump over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. We're going to come back there here in a moment. 
but God demonstrates the true essence of giving. The Bible says in John 3.16, a verse that every one of us is aware of, for God so loved the world, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we understand from that particular verse that we cite so much that God was motivated out of his love. This is why you hear me say all the time, we got to care. Because when you care, it opens up the gates to give. You see, get caring and giving goes hand in hand. So God so loved the world. Well, how did he love the world? That he gave. God gave to a people who didn't deserve it. I don't know what that woman deserved. He didn't even ask. He didn't ask questions. Aren't you glad that God is not always drumming up your past? He's not, he's not working in your life based upon what you have done. Because how many of you could, could, could testify, I haven't done everything right, but God has been faithful. God so loved the world, a broken world, that he was motivated to give. And what did he give? God gave his very best. He gave us Jesus. He gave us the very thing that we need. And so when it comes, if we're going to be extravagant givers, we have to learn to care. And if you're one of those persons who have a difficult time with that, then you need to get before the presence of the Lord and ask God to break your heart. Can I be honest? Listen, I've had times in my own personal life, and I still do it today, that there are times when I can do stuff and be totally disconnected in my spirit. And God has shown me that that is not right. And, and, and there are times when I have to literally stop what I'm doing and say, Lord, break my heart for this. Lord, I want the same heart, Lord, that you have for this person. And how many know that when you give out of love, it has a much more greater impact? Y'all hear what I'm saying? How many knew that, that that man demonstrated he cared for that woman? You saw the tears in his eyes. He cared. He didn't just throw it at her and walk away. But he was involved. How many know God wants us to be involved? Jesus, our great Savior, he gave his life. He, was, he gave. In Galatians 1, chapter, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, says, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is again. Who gave. There he is. This is uh, every time we turn around, Jesus was always giving. He was giving of his time. He was giving of resources. He was, he was giving of his life. He was constantly pouring that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God, our Father. And how many believe and know that Jesus gave joyfully. He gave joyfully. Hebrews chapter 12. I like this verse. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says this. Looking unto Jesus. Mm, the author. The finisher or the perfecter of our faith. Who watched this. For the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So watch this, church. So watch this. So how many know that we're going to be extravagant givers? we got to be looking unto Jesus, right? Because if you get too fixated on people, you'll never get there. Because people will always give you a reason. Come on, somebody. 
<laughs> people will mess stuff up. People will always give you a reason not to do something. So how do we know that if you're going to be extravagant givers, you got to be looking under Jesus. You got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Looking under Jesus. Watch this. Because look at this. For the joy that was set before him. And watch this. So here's Jesus now. Jesus, at that particular moment, you remember he was about to die. How difficult it was that he was going to be separated from the Father. And he was praying. The Bible says he was, he was sweating like great drops of blood. He was in agony. Not because he didn't want to go to the cross for you. It was because he, he just knew that he was going to be separated from God as he bore the sins of the entire world. But, but the Bible says that, but one of the things that made him do it, that, 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 that the Bible says that for the joy that was set before him. In other words, the joy of saving you. The joy of, 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 of snatching us from the jaws of hell. The joy of knowing that we could be delivered. The joy of knowing that we could be set free. For that, Jesus endured the cross because he wanted your joy. He wanted to see you happy. He wanted to see you fall down and worship and adoration and praise. For the joy that was set before him, he endured Jesus was not only a giver, but he gave willingly. He gave joyfully. And not only that, but he encourages us through the Apostle Paul as he writes to the Ephesian church to be like him. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses number 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. I like that. Mm, be imitators of who? Come on, say it with me. Be imitated of who? Come on, church. Be imitated of who? Come on, say it with me. Be imitated of who? Watch this. And walk in love as Christ has loved us. And here it is again. And given himself for us as offering a sacrifice to God for the sweet smelling aroma. Now, I know that sometimes there's a temptation for us to say, well, you know, that was Jesus Christ. You know, he did that because, you know, he's Jesus. He's the son of God. How many know that what Jesus did, he expects us to do likewise? In fact, Jesus goes on to say greater works than these you would do because I'm leaving. I'm going to the father. And he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the spirit. I'm going to empower you so you'll be able to accomplish much more. But look at this. He said, be imitators of Christ. That's what Paul says. Not imitators of Fox News, not imitators of CNN, CBS, not imitators of your, your buddies or your favorite musician, your favorite movie star, your favorite singer. He says, be imitators of him. Imitate means to be like him. Follow the leader. Here's our example. Strive to be like Jesus and walk in love. He, I like, I like, the, I like the, the, uh, the verbiage that Paul uses there. He says walk. Walk in love. Walk in it. Stay in it. Be drenched with love. Walk in love. Let me know because love inspires us. Love takes us to a new level. Love inspire, it inspires us, inspires us to become extravagant givers because we're going to be like Jesus. It says, for him, Christ, who gave himself for us. And how many know that God 
also want us to give ourselves for the sake of others. God wants us to sacrifice. But in order to do it, you got to walk in love. He wants us, he says, Paul says, imitate him. In other words, be like him. Watch his life. So when you read the Bible, you read the Gospels. The thing is, one of the reasons why you read the Bible and you read the Gospels is because you want to see how Jesus do it, and you're just going to walk in his steps. And aren't you glad he left you this word? Come on. Aren't you glad for the word of God? I mean, but he didn't leave it at Norfolk. He said, look, I'm going to show you how to do it. Read the book and then just go do exactly what he did. How many know he was an extravagant giver? And I like how this, how, how, how this particular verse ends. It says, uh, as an offering, a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. In other words, when we imitate Christ and we sacrifice like Christ and we love like Christ and we give like Christ, it's a sweet-smelling aroma. In other words, God sniffs it out and he says, <coughs> I like that. How many know that we can't outgive God? And if God says, listen, so we want, we want an odor coming up from this place right into the nostrils of God that smells good. And, and he's saying to the extent that, 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 that we are givers and we imitate him, we walk in love and we give like Jesus did, then that makes him happy. Jesus takes it a step further in Matthew 5.42. He says this, give to him who asks of you, talking about a giver. And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Uh-oh. How do you love that verse? He says, Jesus says, give to him who asks you. That does not mean that we're not to be responsible. But how many know that sometimes we, sometimes we make excuses when we don't want to do something? Come on, church. I'm just, I'm just talking about our human nature. See, our attitude, our posture, our disposition must be one of a giver. That's what he's saying here. Jesus, he says, watch. He says, give to him who asks you. He says, in other words, be one that's known as a yes person. Be one that's known as a giver. Be a people that when people think about you, they, they, they think about your life, that they say, man, they are such, every time I turn around, they're just doing something. they always giving something. Be a giver. Jesus says, give to him who asks you. For him who wants to borrow from you, don't turn away. Look, in other words, church, here's what Jesus is really saying. Look for opportunities to give. Look for opportunities to be blessed. Question, when's the last time you sought out an opportunity to bless somebody? When's the last time you sought out an opportunity to give to somebody? Just say, you know what? I mean, just shock somebody. Just something crazy. Just like, hmm. Well, today God just did something, you know, I'm, I'm seen to be doing well, and I'm blessed, and, you know, I'm, 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 I'm taking care of the things that are important to God, and, and I know this also is important. I, I see this individual over here that has a need, and, you know, I'm, maybe I'm going to step in. I mean, just an attitude of where, Lord, where, who can I bless today? Jesus said it. This way in Luke chapter 6, 38, just in case you're doubting me. Jesus says, give, watch this, and it will be given to you. That's a good word. Now, how many of you believe the Bible? How many of you know that God is not a man that he should lie? Yeah, and you, you know, whatever he says in his word, his word is true. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will stand the test of time. His word will be forever. But look at this. It says Given it shall be given to you. Watch this. 
pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So watch it. So when Jesus says, given it should be given to you, I want you to understand something, that this is deep. Because this is really a principle. Just like seed time and harvest is a principle. How many know that this is the principle? Jesus says, give and it will come back. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Now, there's a condition to that because he says now, he follow up and says, with the same measure you measure it out, right, it's going to come back to you. So if you're stingy, it's going to be what? It's going to come back to you like that. Oh, y'all y'all hearing me. He said, with the same measure, that's the condition. So he said, now he won't there to be extravagant. See, how many know that extravagant givers demands blessing? There's no way that you and I can be extravagant givers and don't be blessed. Because God himself, Jesus himself, is taking ownership of this verse. He's the one that said it. It is as if Jesus is saying, you do it like this, I'm going to see to it that you're blessed. That, that, that my word is going to come back to you sevenfold. Because how many know that God is true to his word? And if Jesus said give, it's going to come back. How many know it's going to come back? We can believe his word. But some of you, as Jesus would say if he was here, but as he said to some of the folks in his day, but some of you don't believe. <laughs> well, pastor, why do you say that? Because you're not giving this way. When you're not doing it, you don't believe it. I don't care what you say. People tell me all the time they got excuses. You know, you, you always get an excuse. There's always a reason not to give. How many of you always got bills to pay? Come on, raise your hand. You got stuff to buy. Come on. Got kids to feed. Everybody got it. And we can all sit here and say, well, I'm sorry, I got other things to do. And God, if I got something left over, bam. Then I, that's why we're in this predicament that we're in. And we can't get the kind of blessing that we desire because we don't understand that this is spiritual principle. I y'all hear what I'm saying, church? Give it will be given to you, pressed down, shaking together. God will happen. God will cause it to happen because God will honor his word. Now that brings me down to the Macedonian church. Now look at this verse. This is verse we read here a moment ago. And uh, because this is, this is so critical. Because here, the apostle Paul finds himself talking to the Corinthians and he's bragging about the Macedonians. I mean, Paul... Paul are like, Paul like, man, let me tell you, y'all, let me tell you something about them, the Macedonians. Whoo, man, they are some, they shocked me. I mean, these folks were off the chain. I want you to hear because this covers everything. Nobody would have an excuse after we read this. But look what it is. Paul said, Paul, look, Paul said, more over, over brethren, I want to make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the church and the master. I want to tell you about these churches. Now, watch this. <clears throat> In great trial of affliction. In other words, now because how many know nowadays, man, we, I ain't going to mess with nobody. Y'all want me to be nice today? You know, it don't take much for us to be afflicted today, do it? I mean, they went through real affliction. The affliction of, you know, you're believing in Jesus Christ, we're going to kill you. How many know that's affliction? How many know not having your lights on ain't no affliction? Oh, come on. That's how, that's how we've gotten in our society. This is a talk, talk. Oh, God. Wait a minute. Hey, your people all on Facebook. I still got no power. Angry faces. Emojis. Devil, devil emojis all over. Where's my power? And I'm, why am I being, oh, God, God, why has thou forsaken me? That's how we get, man. 
Because we are a spoiled, rotten generation. We don't even know what affliction is. I, I, I remember we didn't have power, and it ain't had nothing to do with the power not working. It, it ain't had nothing to do with no trees and wind. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I mean, I'm talking about a week or two <laughs> with nothing. And how many know that you figure out a way to make it work? I told my kids that I said, son, I said, we got no power, so look, we heat some water up on the, on, the, on the wood stove and take some water, boy, and go put it in the sink and take a bath in the sink. <laughs> oh, really? What's that? I mean, shock. <laughs> I ain't going to do that. He just, he just looked. Remember last night, baby, our son, Jeremiah, he just shook his head. He said, oh, no. He's like, I ain't doing nothing. He went to bed. I said, well, walk around stinking, brother, because that's what it is. So if y'all smell him, <laughs> I'm just letting you know. That's why. So, so the Macedonian church, they had real affliction, church. They were being afflicted. Their life was hanging in the balance. But not only of that, it said that in great trial of affliction and the abundance of their joy. I don't get it. Affliction and the abundance of joy don't seem to go together. Paul said, out of the great trial of affliction that they were going through, and, and watch it. And the, their abundance of joy, watch this. And not only that, they got all this joy, but you know what else it said? Their deep poverty. Uh, let me translate that for you, ghetto style. They were broke. <laughs> There's the one thing to have poverty, but how many know there's a whole other thing we say deep poverty? Y'all get it? So part as I say that they were in poverty, I don't know what deep poverty is, but I think the deep poverty is worse than poverty. That's what he says. He said, their deep poverty, watch this. Did that cause them to not give? That, did that cause them to, to, to just kind of freeze and say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm tired. I'm afflicted, you know, and, and, you know, this is tough. And I can't, you know what, I'm not, I'm just, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. That could have, the Macedonians could have had that attitude. And, and, and our vernacular reading this, they would be totally justified to say, you know what? Brother, I can't give. I can't help. He's talking about helping financially. He's. I can't help. I can't do it. I got. I'm, I'm broke. I'm. I'm. I'm poor. I'm. I'm under affliction. My light saying no. No, I'm just kidding. I just threw that in there. Uh, I'm having a hard time. This is tough. And they could have said, you know what? I'm. I'm bowing out. And nobody and everybody would be like, hey, I understand. But how many know the Macedonians? They didn't think that way. He says, watch. And the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Look at this. They were free. Watch this. I bear witness that according to their ability and beyond, yes, I'm sorry, yes, and beyond their ability. Now, I don't know what beyond means, but it's beyond. I don't know what that looks like for each and every one of you. You got to think about that. But he says, he says, Paul says, I bear witness that according to their ability, watch this, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. You mean tell me they were still, watch this, they still had an attitude, we're not going to let this moment pass. Man, there's an opportunity for us to give to the work of God to make sure that the work of God continue. We are not going to pass up this opportunity. If that means that I got to miss a meal, if that means for a moment that I got to give up a little bit of cable TV, if that means I got to give up some luxuries, I'm going to make sure that the things of God move forward. Uh, I, I stepped on some toes, didn't I? I know I did. 
No, Jesus did. Come, y'all know I'm preaching. Y'all, y'all believe I'm telling the truth. Come on, say amen. They were. Let me know. They gave up some more. They didn't have anything, and they gave up some more. They said, "Look, we got an opportunity here, and we ain't gonna let this that offering basket button not get by me without me putting." Oh, that devil is a liar, brother! If I gotta go sell, I'm on. Look, I'm gonna participate in this thing. Oh, how many know that they truly did believe, they embraced, they understood that it was more blessed to give than to receive. They got it. They got it. They said, man, we, we, and how many know that in order to have that kind of faith, you got to believe God will provide for you? How many believe God will provide for you? Then here's my next thing. Give like it. Give like it. Give like you believe that God will provide for you. If the church have a need, hey, hey, church, here's what we need to do. Everybody should pull up. Look, if you got to go sell some Girl Scout cookies, don't let the offering, be, y'all don't know me. I'm just, I came up. Don't let the basket pass without you doing something. Why? Because God wants to bless his people. They, they, listen, they said here, he says, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond, they're freely willing. In other words, they weren't mad. They weren't making complaints. They weren't criticizing. They watched it. The Bible said that they, verse 4, they implored us. This is crazy, church. <laughs> With much urgency that we should receive the gift. So here's what I'm thinking. That somebody was communicating to them, hey, y'all don't need to give because you're having a hard time. Somebody said something. Because they had to, please watch this. They, they, they had to Im- implore them. I mean, listen, look at this. It says um, they're imploring us with much urgency. In other words, they were begging them, saying, look, look, <laughs> take this gift. Somebody was probably saying, well, brothers, y'all don't have it. You're already struggling. But, but, but they understood something I believe that we don't, don't see today. They understood, man, first of all, that God is truly their provider and that this is an opportunity. And you know what? And they knew that they could not all give God. How do you believe that you can't all give God? They, they really believed it and they walked it, didn't they? They said, no, that what they, they said they were that imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. They said, look, we want to minister. We're going to minister by giving. And not only as we as hope, but they first gave of themselves to the Lord. And I really believe that's a lot of times that's a problem. Well, a lot of folks who have a problem with giving to the Lord. Giving to the Lord's work, whether it's monetarily, whether it's offering your time, you know. How many need the Lord? How many know that, that God is Lord over your money? Come on, clap your hand if you believe that. Watch this. He's also Lord of your time. Come on, clap him if you believe that. Yeah, he's Lord over all of it. And, and But how many know that and if, if people don't first give themselves to the Lord, you're beating a dead horse? I've come to realize there's a lot of people, listen, I've come to realize why people sometimes don't do things and what they should do and what they A lot of times because they're not there yet. I remember my wife having this conversation. I said, baby, sometimes folk just ain't there. You just got to pray for them. Pray for a revelation. Pray to God to help them. Pray that, that, that they will see the blessedness to be able to serve God. How many of you believe it's a blessing to serve in the courts of God? It's a blessing to be able to give in the name of Jesus. Because watch, how many know that God will always honor those who honor him? I always said that, that, that tithing is not about the 10%. Tithing is about the honor. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? It's about honoring God. Well, Pastor, it's about honoring God. You put a tag on that. I don't know if you can price that, brothers and sisters. These Macedonians, 
They, the Bible talks about their abundance of joy. The title of my message is there, I forgot to tell you. The title of my message is the joy of giving. The Macedonian church, they were joyful. They were happy. They were glad to give even though they were broke and had nothing. They figured out a way. Church, let me tell you something. Here's what I learned in life. That where there's a way, there's a way. And where there seems to be no way, we have a tendency to make a way. Don't we? And, uh, and we find out, and we find as, as, as people, we figure out a way to do the thing that we really want to do. I've, I've come to learn that. We, I've, just, I've just come to learn this to be a reality. And you know that scripture said that the kingdom of God suffered violence and the violence taken by force? How many know that sometimes you got to be intentional and sometimes you got to fight your own flesh? You got to do what you do. If you believe that something is right in the name of Jesus, then you ought to stick to it. You ought to support it. You ought to do whatever you got to do. Make room someplace. Because how many know that we are called to be living sacrifice? So we got to make room to give. We got to make room to share. We, get, we have to do this. And I like the fact that the Macedonian church, they went beyond what they were able to do because I believe that they were operating in the power of the Spirit of God. And how many know that when you're flowing in the power of the Spirit of God, that God will give you supernatural powers? Y'all know what I mean by that? I mean, God will take your place. This is, at this point, beyond their ability, it's supernatural. It's when God starts taking their stuff and God starts doing things. Are y'all hear what I'm saying, church? And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, watch this. I'm, I'm going to close with this. Watch, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 11. This verse you read all the time during offering time, but I want you to, I want you to, I want to say it right here and we're going to go right to communion. It says here, and Paul talking to the Corinthian church, he says, still talking to the Corinthian church, he talked to them about the Macedonian, but look at this. He says, in that same, in the spirit of his conversation, look what he says here in chapter number nine, over the next chapter. But he says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. There it is. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. In other words, how do you want your blessing? <laughs> That's the question. How do you want it? How do you like it? Not grudgingly or under necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Right? God loves, he loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. See, this is what happened with the Macedonian church. They got grace to go beyond their ability. Y'all hear what I'm saying? God, God was able to make all grace abound because they were so willing. They were willing to sacrifice. They're now moving into this supernatural uh, uh, dimension. So now God is now able to make all grace. God is gracing them to go beyond what they can humanly go. God is doing it. So let each one give it his purpose in the heart, not grudging the sense of God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always have an all sufficiency in all things. Oh, good God. Y'all get that. May have an abundance for every good work. Ain't nothing worse than when the offering plate comes around and there's